Welcome to Inside the Groove, a podcast about the music of Madonna. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and every episode I'll be taking a well-known Madonna track and telling the story of how it was written and how it was recorded. I'll be using multi-track sessions and demos to break down the creative process and find out how Madonna has been behind some of the greatest pop songs of the last 40 years. Burning Up was the second single from Madonna, which was released in the US and Australia in March 1983. It would reach number three in the US Billboard dance charts and be a top 20 hit down under, the first international territory to truly embrace the star. And I have a special biography to read to you, which was distributed with promo copies in Oz. Like everybody, her first single, Madonna was the sole writer on the track, with its origins dating back to her new wave days in bands such as Breakfast Club and Emmy. Though it would finally be recorded as a demo with her long-term collaborator Stephen Bray. I have that early demo to play to you and breaking news, it still sounds fresh. Forming part of her first album recorded with producer Reggie Lucas, Madonna would be unhappy with his mix and would enlist her then-boyfriend Jellybean to remix the track with additional production. Though that version would go largely unused, I've got it to play to you too. Having avoided putting Madonna's face on the cover of her first single, Psy Records this time decided to go hell for leather and not only included a specially commissioned piece of artwork for Martin Burgoyne, Madonna's friend and artist, as the single image, but put Madonna together with stylist Maripol to enhance her already strong visual identity and have the story of how that partnership worked. It was also Madonna's first proper promo video, but the exciting shoot would also be dangerous and the star was nearly killed. Imagine how different pop history would have been without her. I have that story too. Reaction to the song was mixed, though Burning Up has stood the test of time, and I'll be playing you not only an alternative mix of the song, but elements from the original multi-track recording, so you can hear the song as you've never heard it before. So for now, sit back, relax, as we go down on our knees so you can be pleased. Inside the groove. Come on, let go! This podcast is free, but if you'd like to support it, you can become a patron, offering a regular donation and getting extra content in return, or as a one-off buy-me-a-coffee option. To do either, just head to the website, www.insidethegroove.co.uk. Thank you for your love and support. Welcome back to Inside the Groove. It feels like ages since I last spoke to you, but that's because of the three-part marathon that was the Evita special. I'm so touched by your kind words and reaction, and I really hope that some of you have kind of re-evaluated Evita um, in a, in a favourable way. But also, if you enjoyed the episode where I discussed her vocals with the Honest Vocal Coach, you might be pleased to know that Georgina has done a special video on her YouTube channel where she reviews Madonna's amazing performance of You Must Love Me from the Academy Awards in 2007. As for this podcast, well, I've got some exciting things planned, so stay tuned. 
Now, for many, Burning Up is paired with the song Physical Attraction, which was also its B-side. And on the surface, thanks to the Reggie Lucas production, they're quite similar tracks, but Burning Up has always had a rockier, edgy feel, which Madonna's really embraced in recent years, in particular on the Reinvention Tour. And as for its video, if you haven't seen it, you really should check it out. She looks stunningly beautiful in it, and it also features all the hallmarks of 80s video production, so it's worth viewing for those two reasons alone. But the casual Madonna fan will be forgiven for not knowing the song well at all, if at all. It was not released globally and was only really successful in Australia. Some of you, of course, will know it as an album track from her debut. But for some fans, and I'd include me in this, it's an absolute favourite in a career of highlights. For me, it bridges the gap perfectly between that pre-success Madonna that was a bit blondie, a bit new wave, into what we got as the sort of disco queen that came in 1984. As for physical attraction, well, I'll be dissecting the multi-track for that for patrons, so if you want to hear me go through that, you know what to do. If you haven't already, do listen to the podcast episode about the song, Everybody, because that sort of tells the story of how Madonna became famous. But if you've not had a chance yet, here's a recap. In 1979, Madonna no longer wanted to be a famous dancer, but instead wanted to be a famous rock star. She became the drummer of a band called Breakfast Club, which was headed by the Gilroy brothers, Dan and Ed. Their female singer left, and Madonna was given the role of the lead female singer. However, she wanted to be the only voice of the band, and was quite opposed to hear that another singer, Angie Smith, was joining. And this led to a bit of a dispute between her and Dan, who was also her boyfriend at the time. Madonna left and started a new band called Madonna and the Sky. But within a few weeks, there were problems when the drummer, Mike Shinoy, left because he had a full-time job. But undeterred, Madonna recruited her former boyfriend, Stephen Bray, who she'd been at college with in Michigan. Now, although they were a band, Madonna's real focus was on becoming a professional singer. So, separate to the band, she asked Stephen to produce some demos for her. This he did in the New York Music Building, as it was called, part of Gotham Records. They recorded songs such as Love to Keep From Crying and Crimes of Passion, but one of the songs they recorded was an early version of a track called Burning Up. Have a listen to this. It sounds so good. love that version. It sounds both very old school and also kind of modern or modernish. It kind of reminds me of something from the Confessions album. In fact, Stephen Bray described it as Pat Benatar meets New Order. And I even like the use of vocoder because it kind of gives it that sort of slight edge. A few months ago, back when Joe Biden was campaigning to be president, Madonna shared a video of the early version of that song, which then prompted Stephen Bray to comment on Instagram and Twitter, Awesome to hear this memory lane version of Burning Up with all our old school toys in evidence. 
He talks about Madonna's Rickenbacker, the guitar, Dr. Rhythm and other gadgets from Boss and Roland still sound great. Those early drum machines and um, micro-composers, etc. really had an effect on how the song was produced. When Madonna was signed for a two-single deal, Burning Up was one of the songs considered for release. However, when they later decided to release an entire album, Madonna chose not to work with Stephen Bray or, in fact, Mark Kamens, the DJ producer of everybody. Instead, she wanted a more experienced producer and went with Reggie Lucas, who was the producer of choice for the Sire Records gang. It was a decision that I think she later regretted, feeling that Reggie's polished sound took away the raw edge that she wanted for her songs. And in fact, when you look at Madonna's entire career, she would always favour less experienced producers and simple recording situations over that whole overproduced sound. Now, here's a work in progress demo from that first album sessions, and you can hear how the song was sounding about the end of 1982. I think that's quite recognisably the version of Burning Up that we know today. It's not quite the same, some of the vocals uh, are later touched up, and it's not mixed um, at all. And what does that mean, not mixed? Well, we use the term mixing to mean lots of things, but essentially it means getting a balance of all the various instruments that are being played, EQing them um, so all the frequencies sort of sit together nicely. So, for example, if you had a piano that's got a very low end, um, of a bassy sound because the microphone's really close to it. That might interrupt with a bass guitar or even some vocals. So you'd sort of squash down the deeper sounds in the piano. And then, probably most importantly, you've got the dynamics. Dynamics are terms such as compression and limiting and maximizing. And what that does, it sort of evens out the sound of individual elements. You can really hear it on the snare drum here. Perhaps I should say you can hear that it's not there. On the finished version, that snare drum is really tight and snappy. Here it's more sort of almost like a live drum, but it's not, it's that famous Lin drum. So why wouldn't it have been mixed even at this demo stage? These days, with the way we record on computers, you can sort of mix as you go along, you can put all the effects on. But back then, you know, it would have taken time, it would probably have taken a specialist to do it as well. And so they just sort of ran this off as a tape, no doubt for the record company to hear and give their comments upon. 
Again, you should cross-reference with the episode about the song Borderline. But Madonna was so dissatisfied with Reggie that she brought in her then-boyfriend, John Jellybean Benitez, to work on the songs. Jellybean wasn't a producer, though he wanted to be, and would of course later produce Holiday. However, he did have a good ear for what would work on the dance floor, being a top DJ, and worked on a number of tracks, including Lucky Star and of course Burning Up, to give the songs a more serrated edge. During my research for this episode, I found some kind of unreliable sources, you know, Wikipedia, suggesting that Jellybean added guitar and vocals to his version. But I don't think that's true. Um, In the end, his version wasn't included on the album, but it has had releases on sort of rarities and promos. It's actually a slightly more radio-friendly version in some respects. This is what it sounds like. Although it's kind of got a heavier sound because of the big reverb on the snare, it's a lot simpler sounding. A lot of the instruments have been taken out from the Reggie collection. Having not included Madonna's face on the cover of Everybody and initially being reluctant to shoot a video, a very different approach was taken for Burning Up on its release. Madonna's very close friend and artist Martin Burgoyne created a set of comic strip silkscreen images based on photographs of Madonna, which was kind of arranged in a stunning cover design for the release. Now Martin died in his early 20s after developing AIDS. He and Madonna were incredibly close and she would later reference his passing in the song In This Life from the Erotica album with the words Sitting on a park bench thinking about a friend of mine He was only 23, gone before he'd had his time It came without warning, didn't want his friends to see him cry He knew the day was dawning and I didn't have the chance to say goodbye Martin also created the original artwork for that debut album, which was to be titled Lucky Star. Eventually, it wasn't used, but it was based on a photograph of Madonna taken by Ido Batoglio, the boyfriend of the famed stylist Maripol. Moroccan Maripol was educated in France and moved to New York in the mid-70s with Ido, where she soon became established as a stylist. At the end of that decade, she was a regular at the famed Studio 54. If I could time travel, I'd go to New York and go to Studio 4. There, she photographed the likes of Andy Warhol, Bianca Jagger and Grace Jones. But things changed when she met the artist Jean-Michel Basquiat. Now, as well as becoming close friends, she worked with him on the movie Downtown 1981 and styled Debbie Harry of Blondie, who appeared in that film. The following year, she was placed together with Madonna. Sire Records were aware that she had a great sense of style and individuality, but felt it could be moved a step further. 
It was Maripol that came up with the look that would dominate Madonna's visual imagery in the first half of that decade. And that includes things such as crucifixes, rubber bracelets, mesh, leather and lace. I'm sure it was a combination of the two, but a lot of people don't realise that Maripol was really fundamental in, in getting the look of Madonna across. She and Madonna worked on numerous photo shoots and videos. Most significantly, I think, the Like a Virgin album and the promo film. Maripol also made some custom jewellery that was available for sale during the Virgin concert in 1985. Of course, she also styled Madonna for the Burning Up video. And as I said earlier, she looks stunning in this promo. I think it's the most beautiful she has ever looked. But the shoot itself was quite dramatic. It was directed by the top video director of the day, Steve Barron. He'd made a name for himself, directing Toto's Africa and, most significantly, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. But he wasn't particularly keen on directing Burning Up. He said the song just didn't speak to him when referencing it in his biography, Egg and Chips and Billie Jean. He said, I got a call from producer Simon Fields in Los Angeles and he said there's a video to do for a reasonable budget and this song is going to be really big. I was on vacation and didn't really want to get my head into something at the time but Madonna was really keen on the Billie Jean video and I eventually agreed, begrudgingly. I had gotten the track and said I wouldn't know what to do with that because it didn't have the atmosphere that I was always looking for in a song. Well, Madonna sent him a personal note that had her address on it, which was listed as the penthouse suite. So he assumed that she was either very rich or came from a rich family, but was really surprised when he went to the location and found a crumbling old building in downtown Manhattan. He said in his biography, When the doors opened on the top floor of the building, it was a crumble staircase and a paper plate that said penthouse suite on it, with an arrow pointing up the stairs, stuck with tape to a cracked wall. Music was pumping out of the top floor. It was so loud. I yelled out, hello, and yelled again a couple more times. I pushed the door down the hallway open, and there she was, naked, except for a pair of knickers, on the floor, doing exercises in front of the massive speaker and amp setup. And that was the only furniture in the place, really. She seemed very confident with herself. He continues, We shot for two nights in Los Angeles. I basically ended up doing a bunch of ideas from my ideas book as opposed to from the song, mainly because I didn't connect with it too much. It was a bit of a mishmash of a video. She trusted me, definitely. She handed it over, which she probably shouldn't have done in retrospect. But she obviously wanted to be very much in control of how she looked and how she was dressed. Her dress was the most important thing that she wanted to talk about. However, things took a bit of a dangerous turn when one of the ideas was a night shoot of Madonna lying on a boat and lip-syncing to the song. To achieve this shot, they had a seven-ton crane stretched out over the lake with a camera on it, operated by Steve with just a grip. Um, They're the people that look after the camera equipment on the shoot. And this was installed over her. Steve continues the story. I was asking, let's get right over the eyes. And we were about 15 feet above Madonna. I looked back at the ramp and the two black wheels had lifted off about a foot and a half. No one had noticed. I looked back at it and yelled at the crane operator to stop. Steve continues with the story. The thing teasered just dropped backwards and forth and he quickly jumped on the switch and started pushing us back but he didn't move very fast and you felt that if you made any kind of movement it would have taken the crane down. 
We were right on the midpoint balance and we would have come down on her. She would have been 100% dead. It was so close. I never told her that night because I didn't want to scare her. We would have been in hospital for six months and she would have been dead. Definitely. Well, things would have been very different if that had happened. Thankfully, Madonna didn't die. The song was released um, in a few territories, as I mentioned. It didn't really have that much success, but I guess it wasn't pushed in the way that it could have been. But things all worked out really in the end. Now, what's interesting is the Australian version was really successful. And one of the listeners to this podcast, Matt, has sent me a cutting that is taped to his own 12-inch version. And it's really interesting. I'm going to read it to you because it gives you an idea of how people talked about Madonna when she was an unknown. Listen to this. Madonna may be the darling of New York's underground club scene, but with the release of her maxi-single Burning Up backed with physical attraction, it is obvious that her appeal is destined for more than just the dance floor. I'm guessing I should be doing an Aussie accent for this, but bear with. It carries on. Madonna's 12-inch debut single, Everybody, rose to the top of the dance charts last year, and in a matter of months, she established herself as an important singer-songwriter on the new music scene. Yes, that's my real name, says the multi-talented Madonna from Detroit. And that's about all she has trouble convincing people of. With many years of dance training and a strong background in theatre, she creates a level of visual excitement in her live performances that's rare. At press time, she was laying groundwork for a video to accompany her LP Lucky Star due out late in July on Sire Warner Bros. Considering the excitement this engaging young lady from Midwest has churned up in a short time, it is obvious that the best is yet to come. Well, how right they were. I'm going to end this episode by playing through the multi-track and it's a lot longer than what ended up on the first album. It's a really interesting listen. I'm burning up, take one. I love hearing those engineers' markers. And here we have a bit of a count-in on the Lindrum using the rim shot. That's how it sounds with all the faders up. I've put a bit of reverb on the drums and on Madonna's vocals. So here we are, that's the, the Lindrum machine. You, you'll be familiar with that sound. The bass. I love a synth bass. Some really funky synths. Let's sort of listen to them a bit more. mainly using the Prophet synth, which you may be familiar with. And of course, guitar. Jellybean really pushed that guitar up in his mix. And bring back some Madonna, hey? Here are her BVs for the song. I think it's just Madonna singing. I don't think there are any other backing singers. And that lead vocal. You're always closing your door. Well, that only makes me want you more. And day and night, I cry for your love. You're not convinced that that is enough to justify my wanting you. Now tell me what you want me to do. I'm not blind. 
that you want to want me, but you can't let go. Come on, let go. Okay, bringing back some of the other instruments. I'm burning up, burning up for your love. some focus on the keyboards. Turn the drums down a moment. Let's fade Madonna's vocal up for the next verse. just Madonna doing the BBs, you know, but with a bit of an affectation on her voice. didn't make it to the final version so you might be hearing them for the first time and 80s for a track to run a minute or two longer than the actual finished version. This meant that the producers had chance to edit things and use the very best of the song. some focus on Madonna's voice. It's so raw.
burning up for your love. I'm burning up, burning up for your love. History in the making. If you are or want to become a patron of the podcast, the special episode to accompany this one is me doing the same, running through the multi-track of Physical Attraction. And actually, patrons are going to get a bit of an extra bonus soon because they're going to get the episodes hopefully a fair bit earlier than everybody else. If I can make that all work, I promise to try. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.